Well, Ben Shulman, that was a really crappy way to end a promising start. On a day, you got phenomenal stuff out of Trevor Richards. You got very good stuff out of Bowden Francis. You know, Jays become the last team in all of baseball to use a six-starter. And then we see what we saw from Adam Simber and Mitch White. Like, I'll tell you, it was a sellout crowd of over 41,000 people today here at the Rogers Center, and that is probably one of the more deflating sounds I've heard from the assembled people here at Rogers Center who, who were, I think, up until that point, they were getting something perhaps a little unexpected, right? Joe Ryan was on the mound for the Minnesota Twins. You got a 3 nothing lead on a guy who was very thrifty with his pitches. You got what you got from Richards, and you got what you got from Francis, and then it all kind of evaporates in the span of a handful of minutes, and that's that's one of the tougher losses of the season. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it's uh, not an easy pill to swallow, I think, for many of the Blue Jay fans because it, it you know, for the second day really looked like you could have won a game, but we, we talked about it before on the 590 pregame show. They were not set up for success today with the relievers that were essentially out before the game started today in Swanson, in Pearson, in Garcia, and they were trying to walk that tightrope, and today they could not pull it off. It was, you know, a tough way to go down because it wasn't it wasn't close. It, it turned from a lead to very, very big deficit very quickly. That is Ben Shulman. I'm Ali. Welcome to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network, streaming live on Sportsnet.ca and on the Sportsnet app. We're taking your calls and your texts, and believe me, there are. There a lot of text today already. The phone lines are open. 416-870-0590-888-666-0590-590 on your cellular device, 590-590. You guys know the drill, but that is where you can text us. That's the people's text line, and it is always open. And, Ben, let me tell you, there are a lot of texts about Bowden Francis today. And I guess actually in a number of ways. A lot of texts about how impressed people are with Bowden Francis, and I'm certainly one of those people. And then a lot of texts about why Bowden Francis did not come back out for the eighth inning instead of uh, Adam Simber. Look, there are a whole bunch of these right, right, right now. There's one from Nate in Niagara on the Lake. An absolute disaster class by Simber and White. Hate to say it, but both of these guys should be floating around in AAA as of right now. Missing Zach Pop big time. Need to add another reliever at the deadline. Pray Chad Green is at least 80% of his former self. A lot of uh, people blaming John Schneider, Julia from Kleinberg. Let's face it, he has no idea how to manage pitchers. Goes Going back to the wild card game, lets Manoa pitch way too long, plus Kikuchi too early. Same today with Francis. Mark from Mississauga, why is he bringing up the mop-up guys in the eighth inning with a 3-1 lead? Bowden Francis was doing fine personally, and he should have gotten the start. A lot of a lot of texts like that. And I guess... I, I am one of the people who quibble with not leaving Bowden Francis in there. It was admittedly a tough spot because they were going 9-1-2 when that inning started. But at the same time, I don't know. That's just a – it's a tough look because as Chris LaRue lined out there with Ben before the before we got on here, Adam Simber is not the Adam Simber of 2022 this year. He is He just hasn't been. He is one of the lower leverage relievers on the, on the team, and – Maybe this was they were trying to make a get-right situation for him, but that was a pretty high-leverage spot to try that. Yeah, I think it was. But I'll say, you know, I, I guess I zag a little bit on – I'm not so confident that Bowden Francis, because we've watched 42 total pitches of Major League Baseball, 
is going to mow down that top of the order for a second time. I mean, clearly the Zimmer's decision didn't work, but I think to just assume that Francis is going to go out there, continue to pitch the way he was going to. I mean, he pitched phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. Very impressed by him, but it's, it is an incredibly small sample so far. I, I thought Chris made another really good point after the game that I really gravitated to is right when Adam Simber entered the game, I would have had Jordan Romano ready. I would have been right. more confident personally in a 5-6 out save from Jordan Romano than asking Bowden Francis to go through that top of the order again. And then especially once the you know the unlucky first two guys get on against Simber at that point, you'd probably want to bring Jordan Romano into the game, frankly. I don't see why you would have Simber face Carlos Correa. So it, it's, you know, I, I think there are a lot of ways to look at it. I, I'm not saying that it was managed perfectly. I don't think it was. For me, I more have issue with the fact that Romano wouldn't be entering that situation sure. because I – Bound Francis pitched well today. If we're calling him a high-leverage guy, I think we're a little bit fooling ourselves in being prisoners of the moment. This was his second major league appearance in the history of his entire life. So he was great. I, I would have probably preferred a Romano in that spot than pushing Francis further, especially when, like Chris mentioned, you probably need Francis now for at least a couple weeks here. I think it was good that they got him out when they did, kept him confident. I, I just would have gone you know, a different direction post Francis than maybe they did I think where, where I would have gone is maybe even a combo of what both of us are saying which is that you know when it comes to Bowden Francis he went two and two-thirds two hits allowed one run which was earned it was the home run to Trevor Larnick uh, three strikeouts and no walks and he he had not the pitch count was not particularly inflated really at all given what we had heard about him having been stretched out for today's ball game, essentially, because there was a chance he might have just started this game straight up or been the guy to come in right after Richards. And I think they were playing a little bit with the pockets of batters because we saw Richards, then Mesa, then we saw Bowden Francis, which was the right thing to do given where it was in the game. And if had things changed, maybe Francis would have come in a little earlier. But I guess I guess the, the reasoning, the only thing I could think of was you wanted Simber to get a clean inning because otherwise... What I was kind of thinking is maybe you, you bring Francis back in for the eighth, even for one batter, to get maybe Michael A. Taylor, and then you and then and you have Jordan Romano break glass in case of emergency to close out the game because we talked about the idea of, of Romano having to get two inning saves and so on and not you, you don't see a lot of elite closers go in there for full two inning saves you just like don't see that a lot even if you have seen it a couple times from Jordan Romano but oh boy that's it's just. In, in, in that high leverage of a situation, and I'm not calling Bowden Francis the highest leverage reliever, but because he was pitching so well and seemed to have found a groove, I would have given him a little more of a leash with the, with the knowledge that the guy who was going to come in to pull him was your closer who mows guys down, and, and not Adam Simber. Because Adam Simber, and, and you're right to say that Adam Simber got a little unlucky, right? The, the bunt... And I, I also I kind of think there was part of that un, unluckiness was a bit of his own making because Chapman looked like he had a play on the ball, and it almost looked like he had to pull up a little early from bare. And it was a it was it was going to be a bare hand play anyways, which would have been difficult no matter what. It was a right? phenomenal bunt either way. It was it was also a great bunt by Taylor. Don't, don't get me wrong, but he like Simber basically interfered <laughs> to a certain extent with Chapman getting that ball. There was no play made, and then the very next play was. Edouard Julian, who had a pretty good game today, who had hit the blooper over, I guess it was Chapman's head or Bo's head into into left field. So some unluckiness there, but I, I do I can't help but wonder if it would have changed had it just been Bowden Francis staying out there. For, going from Francis to Romano, 
knowing that Kevin Gosman's on the mound tomorrow and hoping that if Gosman does Gosman things, then tomorrow you, 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 you won't have Romano, but you might have Eric Swanson or you might have someone else available instead of, you know, and, and, and Romano still got up today for a couple of pitches and we didn't end up seeing him. Yeah, it, it is an interesting spot for me, even if you want to zoom out even more. I, I really think to a certain extent they put themselves in this position to potentially blow a game from the bullpen over the last week and a half, frankly. They've been winning games, don't get me wrong, but we got a call after the New York series. I forget the name, I apologize, but made the point that there were a lot of tight wins and they weren't hitting still. At the end of the day, if you have to use Eric Swanson five times in seven days, if you have Jordan Romano, who was even available today, but – if he would have pitched today, it would have been three and four days. Yeah. I mean, they are just not winning non-save games very often right now. They are keeping it quite close with the fact that they haven't scored a ton of runs recently, frankly. And I think that if they want to go on these prolonged winning stretches, they obviously had a pretty solid one coming off the Minnesota series in Minneapolis and then riding it all the way into this series after they beat Houston three out of four. But if you want to keep those going over long periods of time, you have to be able to win games where you can put Adam Simber into games because you're not up two, you're up five, or you're up yeah. six, or you're up seven. Obviously today, seven one runs were allowed. But the fact that they essentially had almost no options today it goes down to you know the really, really tough thing when one of your starters cannot start and you have to use extra bullpen guys. And then the fact that they, they aren't giving their high-leverage guys enough rest because they're not scoring enough runs right now to give those guys a day off or two. I mean, they're using Eric Swanson almost every single day. He pitches, frankly, like way too much. Yeah. He just pitches he pitches at a rate, Eric Swanson, that is unsustainable. It is, it is, and he, he looks tired sometimes out there on the mound very quickly. And that, that is not a dig at Eric Swanson whatsoever because he's been phenomenal. He's pitching well through it. Yeah, yeah. It's just you can't use a reliever that much. Like we talked about Adam Simber. He was used a whole ton last year. And I don't know if that has any bearing on what he's looked like so far this year, but he has pitched a lot last year, and he was I think he was the, the, the reliever that pitched the most in all of Major League Baseball. I believe Baseball. he led MLB in appearances. And, and now Swanson is on pace to completely, not even like squeak past that, to obliterate the amount of innings that and appearances that, uh, that Simber pitched last year. So I, it's, it is unsustainable, but boy, I just, like Chris mentioned during the game that he maybe would have had like to see Jimmy Garcia there. I I don't know if I'd go quite that far. If and and he also has pitched. Jimmy's I, pitched two in a row. That would be that would be breaking glass for a guy who has been pretty up and down this year. Yeah. So that that maybe is a, a little lesser outside because we we discussed a circle of trust and Jimmy Garcia is not in the inner or perhaps even the maybe he's he's inching back towards the outer circle of trust perhaps in the last couple of appearances, but. Yeah, it's just the decision to go to Simber is, is for me, um, a baffling one. Let's go to the phone lines. Josh in Bowmanville joining us here on Jay's Talk. Josh, what's on your mind today? Uh, I just want to say, guys, um, to, to lose to a 500 ball club this series is, is unacceptable with the standards we've set. Um, I, I think Richards has shown he's our plug-and-play arm in the pen. He gave us seven strikeouts uh, through nine, nine outs. Um, my concern is why did we decide to go with Mesa in the fourth instead of Simber? And then when we have Simber come out, the bases get loaded. Carlos is at the plate. We don't even have a guy getting warm in the pen. He takes a home run for us to decide, or a grand slam for us to decide to warm up someone in the pen. It's unacceptable. This loss is on the coaches. I don't understand the strategy. And this depleted this early on into the season. 
we, we got, I don't even know if we can flirt with a, a wild card because we're seeing it right now. These games are going to catch up to us, and I, I believe it's completely unacceptable. Uh, Josh, appreciate the call. Thank you for joining us. Sounds like he's uh, waiting to catch a train or something. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Have a, have a safe trip back. I mean, to- totally agree on the warming up thing. I yes. think we already talked about that. Yes, but agreed. I think you at least, regardless of how you feel about it, he's clearly not the guy you want in that spot, no. Simber, b- because you're putting him there because other guys are, are out right now. You know Jordan Romano is live today, so you may as well at least have him warming up. I, I think on the note for, you know, why was Mesa pitched earlier in the game he came in to face the heart of the order which happened to contain you know Willie Castro who hits worse from the right side than the left uh, and then you you know have Max Kepler a left-handed hitter so I think that has a lot to do with why they brought him in in that spot uh, I would say you know the first seven innings of this game for what it's worth I thought were managed really well they got through seven with one run allowed and were able to get Bowden Francis all the way to the end of the seventh inning but uh, you know it's it's I, I'm not sure that if you pitch Adam Simmer in the, in the third or the seventh, or sorry, the fourth or the seventh, that's what's going to make the difference. If you believe that he wasn't suitable to get right. the outs today, right, right, you know he didn't start against against Carlos Correa in that inning. He gave up multiple base runners to get to that point, and you know it would have been a similar starting point in the lineup had he been there. You know in that fourth inning. Well, we're discussing the Blue Jays' 9-4 loss to the Minnesota Twins, and a big part of it was a grand slam given up by Adam Simber to Carlos Correa in the eighth inning, and very shortly thereafter, a monster three-run home run given up by Mitch White. And as you as we discussed the, the decision to go to Adam Simber in the eighth inning, instead of, let's say, keeping Bowden Francis out there, instead of going to Jordan Romano. John Schneider was asked this question in his media availability, so let's hear what the manager had to say on the decision to go to Adam Simber. Um, pretty easy choice. You know, I think uh, with who we had available and kind of, you know, the way the game was going, Bowden threw the ball extremely well, obviously. Um, at the part of the order, I think, where, you know, Simber's been there and, and you know, not necessarily in leverage spots, but he's, he's been there before. Um, and trusted him. It's a bunt hit, it's a broken bat single, and things kind of unraveled from there. And a uh, good hitter in Correa yanks the slider that's on the outer half for, for the homer, but um, it was an easy decision. That is John Schneider, who that's not going to, I think, appease very many people, Ben, when you hear it was an easy decision. I, I get what he's saying because of all the things we've talked about. When, it, when, you, when you talk about who is up and who is down, but like again, just just to, I don't want to sound like I'm beating a dead horse, but for me, I think even and I know this sounds very you know with hindsight and hindsight of course as we know is 2020, but for me I think I just it's 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 as simple as Francis was pitching well enough even if even if you don't know if he is going to be a long term solution I don't know that he is I'm not so sure if I'm sold on throwing Bowden Francis out there in five days to take on the Texas Rangers of all teams a team that just goes out there and obliterates other teams and I haven't I haven't checked in the last couple of minutes but uh, they were beating the Tampa Bay Rays and they were having a pretty good game so far so my point is to say the Rangers are a, a lethally offensive team so I'm not sure I'm 100% sold on Francis going out there. You might not have a better option than to throw Francis out there against the Rangers to start that series next week. But I think I just was at the point where I would rather just throw Francis out there and live with the consequences than go to Adam Simber based on what we have seen so far from him, both before his stint on the IL and, and afterwards. 
Yeah, it's it, it'll be an interesting thing to see what they decide. Just for the note on on Schneider talking about the pitch. I mean, if you do go to to MLB's research client and go to Pitch View, it's not a bad pitch from Adam Simber. I, I know that's not going to warm a lot of people's hearts, but it's literally right on the edge of the strike zone to the outer part of the plate. So only hitters really with a talent like Carlos Correa can take that all the way back to the pull side and hit it 376 feet out of the ballpark. But it's you know it's an interesting thing. I mean, I I I would kind of like to see. Bowden Francis start because sure. I, I think it it sure. is better overall for the bullpen. You know, Chris was talking about, hey, the scouting report says he throws 92-93 and he was throwing more of an average of 95. I, I think part of that is a symptom of the lack of time that he was out there. Like, I would imagine that Bowden Francis went into the game with them informing him on a general number of pitches or outs that he was going to have. I'm not sure that a guy just finds 97 and can throw that for six innings, but wasn't throwing that in AAA before. Right. When you start, you're not going to throw as hard as when you relieve because you're not throwing the same number of pitches. You're throwing way more pitches, and you have to manage your velocity throughout. So I, I am intrigued to see what Bowden Francis has. I really did like the way that he mixed his pitches today. That He was really in the zone with his fastball, in the zone with his slider, and then he managed to kind of tunnel that slider with the curveball out of the zone and get a lot of swings and misses there. It, it, it will be interesting, but... Again, you know, I I think it is a little bit of being a prisoner of the moment if we assume that Bowden Francis, because of the only two and two-thirds that he's pitched in this entire season, would have been perfect. There's there's no clue there that he would have been, and the top of the order was coming back up, and usually the plan when you have a bulk guy is you're trying to make him avoid a certain number of turns to the top of the order, and that's what allowed Francis to have success today. So it's, you know, it's not a loss that they'd like, but they they didn't have a lot of options today. They really what what they did to beat Houston, exhausted, and then the fact that they have Kikuchi and the Alec Manoa spot back to back, which I'm almost sure at this point, especially after today, they're going to try to break up in that last week of June when they have two off days in one week. Like they really have to separate those spots so that there's two three days in between. And then you can entertain some options where you can use a guy like Trevor Richards maybe for some innings in a Francis or in a Kikuchi start and still have him available to pitch leverage in the middle. There was a text here I wanted to ask you about. So I thought it was an interesting one. Here it is. Gilbert from Woodstock. He says, today's game could have been different if they had just let Kikuchi pitch the sixth yesterday. They could have saved an arm. Where do you fall on that idea? I mean, I, I'm not – I don't want to change my mind just because of something – that I saw today I said before the game and I stick by it you say Kikuchi when you get five innings of quality ball out of him I think I think you take him out of the game at that point there's very little evidence that you say Kikuchi is going to give you six or seven solid innings at this point and frankly the moves they made yesterday they should have won like I, I don't put on on management that they had second and third management or the coaching staff but they had second and third nobody out and three of their best hitters couldn't hit a guy in. So they they did a lot to try and win yesterday. It didn't come up for them. And then it hurt them again today, too. But, you know, if they had hit a fly ball yesterday, and even if that's the reason they lose today and they had split these two games, it would look a whole lot better. So for me, still, I, I, I'm not saying that it's com- like it's completely wrong. It's definitely an opinion. But for me, I, I don't like Kikuchi third time through against the middle of the order, top middle of the order. And I think that in yesterday's game and it made sense and they got two good innings out of Pearson and really put themselves in a position to win yesterday it did hurt them today but that's baseball to a certain extent as we discussed the idea of of the usage of the bullpen 
you know, and you, and you mentioned the the fact that this game was uh, buttressed up against a Kikuchi start, and there is an off day on Monday, so that lets you reset to a, a, a certain degree before you go on a, a a relatively tough road trip. You're gonna have to play the Baltimore Orioles for three in Camden Yards. You're gonna have to play the Rangers for three in Texas, and then you're gonna have to play the Miami Marlins, who perhaps before the season you thought that would be an easier series. They are one of the better teams in their division and have just been tough outs. All year, they might be the hottest team in baseball right yeah. now. It's, it's yeah. kind of insane. It's it's a little wild to me. It's I, I, I kind of kind of wild that we live in a world where like the Reds are tough outs, the Diamondbacks are one of the best teams in in baseball, much less the the National League, and the Miami Marlins are very very good as well. When the when teams like the Cardinals and Mets and and other teams like that are really struggling, but the, it's a tough road trip. And you mentioned the idea of maybe reshuffling the lineup. I've heard people kind of kick around the idea, both on the text line and just around the ballpark and so on. The idea, Ben, of with those off days, you got an off day on Monday after the, the nine-game road trip. You have an off day the following Thursday. There's a three-game set against the Oakland A's here at Rogers Center. And then there's another off day after the Oakland series. Uh, with, with the idea with all of the off days, perhaps you even just – you know, you maybe maybe you push everyone up by a day and allows you to skip a cent quote unquote skip a bullpen day because everyone's still gonna be pitching on their regular days of rest with the off day. I I I'm not so sure I love doing that because I think we've heard uh, the idea of it messing up the rhythm of starting pitchers, but boy, there's there are a not not a lot of options with Alc Manoa currently down and you basically having to operate with probably Bowden Francis, and I mean on, on Francis too. Like, do you feel do you feel confident about throwing him out there against the Rangers in in Texas on Friday? I'm more confident than I did before the game, but yeah, I mean, still, I I would say you know it's not that confidence against one of the better teams in baseball, really the second best team in the American League right now. Yeah. So, I, I would do anything possible to try and split up the Francis spot and the Kikuchi spot right now. It's it, it comes down to the lack of starting pitching depth that the Blue Jays have this year with the fact that essentially everyone with the Bisons has struggled, and then they really get burned by the fact that although Jose Barrios has a huge bounce back here and Chris Bassett totally is filling in the spot that Ross Stripling kind of left behind, that, that Alec Manoa is not just having a down year, but he was unstartable to the point where they had to send him down. So it's, you know, it, it's a tough thing. The Blue Jays... Again, not to use tightrope walk too many times, but they came into this year with five starters. I remember last year when I was working for a minor league team in the Padres organization, they had a scout come around, and I was talking to him, and he said that their philosophy was that you should have eight to nine guys you feel confident starting in the major leagues because you don't know who's going to have a down year, who's going to get hurt, and all of this could happen at the same time. And, and for now, the Blue Jays have maybe a sixth guy if Francis ends maybe, up being good. It's maybe, possible. Yeah. But the fact that, you know, for the most part, they've had five waiting on Hyunjin Ryu, and that is itself a bit of a flimsy proposition that he could come back and, you know, really, really contribute at his age with the seriousness of his injury. They are getting burned right now for some of the, the lack of depth. They're really talented when the 26 are all there and healthy. But when things pop up here and there, they haven't had great options so far to fill in. Yeah, I'm not sure... As much as I am a huge fan of Hyunjin Ryu, just as a as a person and also as a player, I'm I'm not sure pinning all of the hopes on a mid 30s Ryu coming off of Tommy John surgery is going to solve the problem like any more than any other. Like it might be a little bit more. You might be a little bit more confident in Ryu because you've seen his track record, but coming off an, a very serious injury yeah. and surgery and a long recovery, I'm not sure that's the uh, the 
set-in-stone answer, but the truth is there is no set-in-stone answer right now because the Blue Jays are searching for some depth here. Uh, let's go to the phones, 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cellular device. Jared joining us from Calgary. Jared, thanks for holding on. What's on your mind today? Welcome to J-Stock. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Seems like uh, poor pet management is the topic du jour today. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> I think it was extremely unfair to John Schneider to put him a rookie manager at the helm of a team with World Series aspirations. Normally, I don't subscribe to the poor management management criticisms because at the end of the day, John Schneider isn't the guy in the bump throwing meatballs, right? But this isn't a one or two off thing anymore. Uh, this has now become a trend. Uh, you know, John forgot how to count to two and is forced to pull Manoa a few weeks ago. Yesterday, in my opinion, I know I know you guys had said that it was probably a good idea to pull Kikuchi, but a lot of fans say that he should have kept him in for at least one more. And then today, pulls pulls Francis when he's cruising. But regardless of god-awful pen management, you're not going to win many games when Vladdy goes one for four with two strikeouts. Now, I'm wondering what your guys' thoughts are on Guillermo Martinez. Shy of the Padres, this team, in my opinion, is one of the biggest disappointments at the plate in the big leagues with the star power we have. I'll uh, I'll hang up and listen to what you guys have to say. Jared, appreciate the call. Thank you for joining us on Jay's Talk. Hey, I mean, you you said it earlier, Ben. You're not going to win, like regardless of the Simber decision and the bullpen management, which we can get to again. But and we have discussed this basically mostly <laughs> most of tonight's show. But you look at the offense, and it's true. You're just not going to win a lot of games when you're scoring three runs until the basically end of the game. And I know they added a fourth at the very end there, but I think it is at least a valid question to question the the efficiency of someone like Guillermo Martinez. I, I've I've seen some people also question, and I think it's also valid, frankly, of what for a bench coach. What what is what has been the a tangible effect of Don Mattingly, who beyond his managerial experience, obviously was a very very good actual baseball player as well. So, I think it's a totally valid question. Like I think I I do kind of wonder if if a change hitting coach might not help the team, or if like just bringing in other consultants, which we've seen them do in the past, might not help the team. I mean, there's probably something to be said for that question by Jared when Vladdy is is not always going to Guillermo Martinez to figure out whatever, whatever's wrong with him at the plate and going to, like, Uncle Wilton, for example, from outside the organization. I'm not saying there's, you know, something rotten in the state of Denmark necessarily here, but uh, I, I do think it's a valid question from Jared because, you know, the the offense, again, I, I take his point because I don't think he's saying this is a terrible ball club, but relative to expectations, there were pretty high expectations for an offensive performance more that you, you've unfortunately gotten used to seeing from teams like the Diamondbacks and the Reds instead of teams like you know the, the Blue Jays and the Padres. Yeah, I mean, the, the offense has been disappointing. It's always hard. You know, we're not admittedly in the hitters' meetings. We don't see the specific stuff that those guys are going to instruct them on a day-to-day basis, so it is hard for me to assign you know, a specific blame here or there to a specific coach without knowing exactly what they're doing. It is, I will say, notable that Vlad has been working with Wilton Guerrero for a lot of his career, including when he hit well in 2021. So, I mean, you know, maybe they want to bring him in. I don't know. I mean, clearly I think he has his own thing going on. But it's 
it's hard for me to know exactly. I would say, you know, to what degree does each coach, you know, impact it without doing some major speculation. Frankly, that wouldn't be fair, but I would just say on, you know, bringing the, you know, young manager into a team with high expectations. I mean, you know, Cito Gaston was a rookie manager when he took over the 89 team. That was a team with some pretty high expectations. Don't want to cross sports too much here, but the Raptors brought in a rookie coach a couple of years ago and won a title with it in the first year. I, I think sometimes when we draw attention, not that the coaches and managers don't have a big impact, but I do think a lot of the time we take a lot of the attention off the guys that are standing in the batter's box actually playing the game when we ascribe a, a large amount of what's going on to what's in the dugout at the end of the day no one's swinging the bat for them but the guys that are there and you know it's they have to be better I I think that you know Vlad didn't have a terrible game frankly he knocked in a run in you know one of his opportunities and I think that there are more guys than just him I understand why he is getting a lot of it but you know the, the two guys behind him today and Matt Chapman and Alejandro Kirk went 0 for 7 you know that's they they haven't seen a ton of production out of either of those two guys in a while either and those Chapman's were slumping hard too yeah I mean, Kirk is. hasn't been you know Kirk yeah. if you go back to even midway last year it's been you know a really tough ride since that really really hot start to 2022 so I I do think it's you know kind of a mixed bag of a lot of guys right now and perhaps that does mean that you do look at the coaching staff I'm not sure at the same time you know, the Blue Jays were hitting really well in May. I'm not sure people were saying that's because of the coaching staff either. So I would just, you know, if you're going to assign it when they're doing poorly, also assign it there when they're doing well. But it's, you know, it's something they're going to have to figure out at the end of the day. You know, they did go three for six with runners in scoring position today. They did have nine hits today. None of those numbers are terrible, but they do need to hit more going forward. And it would be tough for them if Brandon Belt, you know, has to miss any period of time because they're already missing a key contributor in Danny. Jansen they barely had Kevin Kiermeyer over the last week or so with some mixed ailments and they're not getting a ton of production out of some of the guys that they expected to get a lot more out of right now you mentioned the the position players and perhaps some of the lack of depth mentioning Danny Jansen certainly he might be back maybe in the next week uh, slightly maybe slightly less maybe slightly more than a week relatively soon is uh, given that he's in re- playing rehab games um, down in the minors, so I expect when that whenever that happens, I feel like the timer is like a relatively short count remaining on it. So he's probably going to be back in the not too distant future. But the only reason I, I, I hone in on that is because Brandon Belt, obviously removed with left hamstring tightness today, crossing the plate, Vladimir R, Jr. RBI uh, double in the third, and then we see Nathan Lucas pinch hit for Belt after Bo, and obviously he's been one of the team's better hitters since what, maybe the beginning of May, I would say, end of April, beginning of May. You're obviously hoping it's not a long absence, but as we discussed Danny Jansen's return, I, I do kind of wonder what, let's say, if, let's say Danny Jansen doesn't return until, let's say, the end of the road trip. Let's just let's just throw that out there. So you're, you're talking about filling in the next nine, including tomorrow, I guess, ten games, and after we spend basically half an hour on the local pregame talking about Vladdy batting fourth, he's just going to bat third now because that. I mean, what else? What else are you going to do? You're just going to put back the Springer, Bow, Vladdy, one, two, three, as you're used to. But I, I do kind of wonder about the the rest of the order now, right? Like you probably will see in some order. We just talked about Chapman and Kirk. Regardless of the fact that they are slumping, you probably are going to see them in one order or another bat four and five or vice versa for Chappie and Kirk. And then when it comes to who might occupy the DH spot, you could probably do a number of things, right? Like you could, you could DH Vladdy, you could DH Springer, uh, you give me give some Lucas some time in the outfield, or you're throwing Bijou at first if either of those things happen. Obviously, once Jansen comes back, 
you're just going to go back to, like, if Belt's missed any significant amount of time, Vladdy's just going to play it first like he usually does, and you're just going to see both catchers in the lineup. But I, 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 I want to throw this by you, Ben. I wonder, because we had talked about this uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, maybe, maybe almost a month ago at this point, but I do wonder if we could see Spencer Horwitz actually get a call up now if Brandon if if it's not just a small thing if it is something where Brandon Belt's being held out and it's worse than you think we've discussed his hot hitting for Buffalo before but he also basically exclusively plays first base so it would have taken something happening to Vladdy or Belt and now here we are so I kind of wonder if that might be another option if it comes to calling up someone from the minors. It is possible. They do need to shake some stuff up. And, you know, he is a guy who bats from the left side, which is something they're looking for. You know, continues to put up good numbers in AAA, 53 games, 306 batting average, 836 OPS, 16 extra base hits. He's driven in 31 runs. It's possible. I also wonder, you know, at a certain point here, are they going to shift Whit Merrifield up? I mean, for the better part of the last two months, He's at least been, you know, their third or fourth best hitter. And to a certain point, you got to try some stuff here to generate a couple more runs. They have, you know, that six-run performance against the Mets on the fourth, I believe it was, on May 30th. They scored seven, but it's a lot of threes, twos, and fours right now from the Blue Jays' offense. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of, you know, opportunities that aren't being capitalized upon right now because, you know, they did continue to get – Five hits from the top four guys in the lineup, but only score four runs in the game, and he had no hits from the five and six spot at the end of the day. So I wonder, you know, if Merrifield could shift up, if they look to do something like a Horowitz, like you said, they don't really, like with Belta, they don't really have like a guy that's going to come in and DH. It really feels more like a get Springer off your feet, get Vladdy off his feet type thing at this point. Right, right. And then you can mix some things in there. So, hey, if you want to, you know, DH Guerrero a little bit more. If you think maybe that'll help him get going, I'm not sure if you do, but if that's, you know, some reasoning that you might put behind it, then hey, maybe Spencer Horowitz ends up being a guy that you could throw in there a little bit more at first base. 416-870-0590, star 590 on your cell. Those are the numbers to call. Let's go back to the phone lines. Matt joining us from Oshawa here on Jay's Talk. Matt, we appreciate you holding on the line for us. What's on your mind today? It's like you guys are reading my mind when it came to shifting the lineup around. Um, the thing is, I look at it, and like, don't get me wrong, Kiermaier is the best number nine hitter in the major league, so maybe that's the problem. And the other thing with Vladdy is that I think he just needs some protection around him. I like Varsho, but I don't think he's a cleanup guy or a guy who can protect Vlad in that sense. So, And the type of players that Kiermaier and and Merrifield are, they're guys who do get on base. They're there to put pressure on on the starter, get stolen bases, stuff like that. So, in my opinion, I think you need to move those guys up in the lineup, maybe like shift Bo back to three, Vladdy at four, and then Springer at five, or whichever order you want. But in that case, like you have to take advantage of the talent that those guys have, and I don't think they're being utilized correctly. And the thing is, is that right now with the depth question, I mean, we don't really have any depth. So the thing is, like you have you, either get really really good at what you're doing, or at the same time you have guys to bring up when there's holes like this. I just don't, I think that's the biggest problem right now. We're not utilizing everything correctly. So, thank you very much for the call. Yeah, I mean you, you heard me say it before. I agree. I, I think it could be you know definitely a solution there if you try and slide Merrifield up a little bit and provide you know just another guy that can pick up hits when you have yeah. the top 
three or four on base. I would still hesitate to say, you know, you're mentioning that Springer would move down. I, I would still hesitate to say that they're going to move George Springer out of the leadoff spot, although the last, you know, maybe week or so hasn't been his best. If you look at the last month, he's been hitting pretty well and does, you know, get lucky on one of them. But, hey, you got to be lucky to be good, and he does get two hits today anyway. But, yeah, I, I, they are not, you know, five, five, six, seven at times this year has not been a spot where a lot of offense has come. As much as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has struggled, he's still – you know, been providing like a hit today to, to score a run or two walks. There's been, you know, a good handful of offers coming out of the spots behind him. And if you can find some guys, if Lottie isn't necessarily knocking in the runs to try and pick it up for him, I think that could be a big help. So I'd still be surprised if Kiermaier moved at all, to be honest, just because I think they like him, you know, kind of pseudo hitting in front of the guys at the top of the order. But I, I don't see a reason why Whit Merrifield couldn't at least slide up a little bit. I mean, at least, you know, if, if you want more power still shifted up near the top of the lineup, that's one thing. But Whit Merrifield's slugging more right now than Alejandro Kirk is. Could he at least jump above him or whoever the catcher spot would be if a Danny Jansen came back? I don't see why not. Yeah, I'm just trying to find the, the starting lineup for today's game. And you look at Whit Merrifield. I mean, generally speaking, Merrifield has been batting in the lower third. And, I mean, you heard Ben Wagner talk about it today and Chris LaRue and and Ben Nicholson-Smith over the last little while. But, you know, they often refer to Witt as a, like an unsung hero, perhaps. And he just – he it almost feels like he gets on base so much that it, it's a, it has almost become routine. I just – I do kind of wonder if, if the rest of the lineup is not hitting and you do move Witt up, I, perhaps that does help with the top of the order. But I do kind of wonder if it – if, if you don't change anything else and Belt is out for, for an appreciable amount of time before you do get Jansen back. Jansen, to me, Jansen is like the obvious, okay, if you're moving Merrifield up, Jansen's place, the DH spot takes up takes some spot in the lower half of the order just to give it some, a little bit of oomph. But until he comes back, that's a, if things continue the way they have been, it's a, a bit of a, a barren proposition when it comes to giving quality ABs at the guy. If Merrifield is no longer in that group, uh, for the guys at the, at the on the mound here. Yeah, I mean, Merrifield has hit in the five spot ten times already for the Blue Jays this year. Traditionally, it's when, you know, like yesterday, Springer's out, so they move him up one from his usual six or seven. And, you know, they had Chapman out on the six, so they move him up to the five spot. But at this point, I, I think they're just looking to, to stack as many hits and as many on-base guys near the top as they can right yeah. now. He's providing something that a lot of people aren't. That's Ben Shulman. I'm Show Ali. Let's take a very quick break. When we come back, I do want to get to some positives today, most notably Trevor Richards. We haven't talked a lot about Trevor Richards, Ben. He has been, I, I thought, phenomenal. Like, nothing short of awesome today. He was just terrific. Seven strikeouts from Trevor Richards in three innings of work. That was absolutely, maybe not miraculous because he has been very, very good, but his role this year has been one that has been all over the place, and he is very rarely disappointed given that what the expectations for Richards have been. So let's chat some Richards. After the break, we'll also get to the Bet365 standings update as well. More Jays talk after the break. You're listening to it right here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Yeah, not enough. I mean, he was he was dealing um, really, really good feel for both pitches. Um, you know, first pitch of the game, double, and then just locked it in and was um, very, very impressive um, to be put in that spot. And um, he's really been doing it all year. You know, changeup is elite, and fastball command was just as good today. Schneider speaking to the media about... 
Trevor Richards, who was frankly nothing short of phenomenal in three innings of work today. Welcome back to Jay's Talk. Show Ali, Ben Shulman with you for another couple of minutes. Uh, before we chat some Trevor Richards, Ben, let's just quickly get to the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. With Bet365, you can watch thousands of live games, build your own bet, and you can even make a bet while the game's still being played. 19-plus play responsibly. Ontario only. I'm not. I'm no joke. Yesterday, I did place a number of bets. Uh, I was hedging uh, the Kikuchi start, and I bet on. I'm not kidding you. I put a dollar on every single Minnesota Twins batter except for Michael A. Taylor <laughs> to hit a home and run. the house wins and, again. And that's yeah. The house. The house always wins, man. That's what I have learned. Uh, on today's Major League Standings Watch, presented by Bet365. The Rays are still in action right now. The Orioles are still in action right now. Rays taking on the Rangers and the Orioles taking on the Kansas City Royals. No Ryan Mountcastle for the Orioles. He has some kind of illness. So I kind of wonder if they're just being cautious with, with, with him, given that the Orioles are about to welcome the Blue Jays to town and Ryan Mountcastle uh, moonlights as a Blue Jays killer <laughs> some, <laughs> for most of his young career. But uh, the Orioles are up 6-1 to one on the Royals right now, end of 8 the Rangers are up in the top of the ninth inning, 8-4 to four on the Tampa Bay Rays. The Boston Red Sox are playing the New York Yankees, and that game starts in about 40 minutes. So with that all being said, Tampa Bay Rays entering play today, 47-19. and 19. The Baltimore Orioles, 39-24. and 24. Looks like they will be 40-24, and 24, while the Rays will likely be 47-20. and 20. The Yankees are entering play today, 37-28. and 28. The Blue Jays with the loss are 36-30, and 30, and the... Boston Red Sox are exactly 32-32. and 32. So still some time, Ben, for your every team in the AL East to be above 500. I know there's like 90-something games left in the season, but this has been the most competitive division in baseball, and uh, the Boston Red Sox are still hovering around 500. Yeah, 500 with a plus-one run differential. Yeah. That's about as average of baseball <laughs> as you could play. I mean, obviously, tough division, so they're better probably than average, but that is that is about as clean average baseball as you can play so far. But, hey, I think, uh, you know, for Blue Jays fans looking up at the Blue Jays trying to catch the Yankees, it is always good. I feel like when the Red Sox and the Yankees play, it doesn't really matter what the records are. It's always going to be close because it's that big of a rivalry. And, you know, one of our callers upset today, or maybe it was a texter upset today, that the Blue Jays have lost a series to a 500 team. The Yankees potentially on the verge of doing that, too, if the Red Sox can win today or tomorrow. That is our quick check of the Major League Standings Watch. Presented by Bet365. Uh, we have a couple minutes left here. I wanted to get to Trevor Richards. Yeah. Because he has been just great. He's been great pretty much all year, but it just the conversation about Richards, Ben, has kind of evolved from he's doing just enough to show you why he's not getting cut, essentially, based on the conversations that were happening but like before the season, coming into the season. And people were talking about, okay, well, if you have to make room for players X, Y, or Z, he doesn't have options, so we have to be exposed to waivers and so on and so forth. But that changeup of his has been just filthy. And today, he had three innings of work. He had seven strikeouts, just the one walk and one hit as well. He has been absolutely phenomenal. I, I do kind of wonder, like, it's tough to say line him up with Bowden Francis going forward because, as we saw today, you do kind of also need him to operate as an actual high-leverage arm. Yeah, it, it is an interesting situation, I will say. Sports Illustrated, Mitch Bannon, posting some tweets today about John Schneider's post game and John Schneider said that quote it's definitely a conversation to see what's best for him talking about stretching Richards out even further now this could have some shades of what they ended up doing with Ross Stripling last year I mean we talk about the starter depth this year last year they were hard-pressed too and found just an unlikely gem frankly in 
what ridiculous production they got at a stripling. I do wonder, though, kind of like you said, A, they need him a ton in leverage, and B, unlike a guy like Stripling, who already throws five different pitches, this is a two-pitch guy through and through, completely abandoned his breaking ball, which is why he's been so effective this year. So, yeah, you do worry about the fact if you have to use him in a pseudo-starter, an opener role, something like that, how much you lose out on the fact that he's just been one of the better relievers they've had so far this year in a bullpen that's been a little bit topsy-turvy. Yeah, I think like you, I think you would prefer having his stabilizing presence in the bullpen. But where the the team is at right now with no Alec Manoa and having to navigate this fifth quote unquote bullpen day every every five days, essentially, you basically do have to use him in in some some kind of bulk role because I think we've also seen that Mitch White is is not that reliable at least right now. So there's a lot to uh, to digest from this game, but also a lot to see. Uh, real quick, we got a minute left here. Kevin Gossman goes tomorrow, seven innings. What do you think? Another seven-inning start? Is- I, I would feel pretty confident in saying seven <laughs> innings. I mean, he, he is a true stopper in the sense of the word, a true ace, I would say. And, you know, for the Blue Jays, the silver lining is they have as good of a guy as they could ask for trying to break this two-game losing streak. Yeah, he's been absolutely phenomenal. That's Ben Shulman. I'm Show Ali. Thank you for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, brought to you by Crown Rust Protection. Did you know that vehicles rust faster in warmer weather? As the weather warms and we all get ready for summer, make sure your vehicle is protected from rust with Crown. Visit crown.com for your nearest location. For Ben Shulman, Ben Wagner, Chris LaRue, Andrew Adams, Tom Young, and Nick Blackmore, I'm Show Ali. Thanks for being with us on Jays Talk today. Jays lose 9-4 to the Twins. And tomorrow, like we said, Kevin Gosman, the stopper, will try and right the ship against Louis Farland and the Twins right here at Rogers Center. Ben and I are back tomorrow to wrap up the series. We'll talk to you then.